welcome back to the Pros and Content Podcast brought to you by Notch. This season, we're talking to digital growth and demand gen marketers about how they use audience journey strategy and metrics to accelerate business growth. I'm Ellen Schwartz, Senior Director of Demand Gen here at Notch. In this episode, I welcomed Tara Robertson, Senior Manager, Demand Generation at Chili Piper and host of their podcast, Demand Gen Chat. We outline our podcast strategies from deciding whether it's the right fit for your marketing program to distribution and amplification, and of course, measuring its impact on your audience journey. Hello, welcome back to Pros and Content. My name is Ellen Schwartz. I'm Senior Director of Demand Generation here at Notch. And I am super, super excited to welcome Tara Robertson, who's Senior Manager Demand Generation at Chili Piper. Hi, Tara. Hi, Ellen. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to have this chat today. You and I are going to really dig into podcasts, which feels very meta given that this is a podcast. But before we do that, Can you give us a little bit of background on your journey to Chili Piper? How did you get here? Sure. Yeah. So I've been working in different B2B startups for about 10 years or so. And I kind of stumbled into demand generation. I actually joined a very small company as their first marketing hire. And I quickly learned what I didn't love about marketing. So I was doing a lot of events and inbound sales. And I was kind of looking around to see what was the complete opposite (laughs) of those things. So I ended up implementing our HubSpot instance. It was, again, around 10 years ago. So the HubSpot was kind of a new shiny tool. And that really brought me into the demand gen and kind of digital marketing space. And from there, I ended up working at Chili Piper. I've been here about a year now. And I run all of our paid programs. So paid social, paid search, newsletters, paid sponsorships on podcasts, and also a lot of our content marketing. So we have our own podcast that we're going to talk about today, obviously. So I run that. And also we have our newsletter, The Sauce, that over 10,000 marketers subscribe to. So I get to have some fun with that every couple of weeks. How fun. You get to do a little bit of everything. You get to really shout about what Chili Piper is doing and have fun with that. I personally also at Notch love marketing to marketers. I feel like I get to very much just be myself and talk about what I know. Yeah, it's a really fun space. I was in higher ed right before this. And I definitely felt a little bit of imposter syndrome of kind of why would a professor care what I have to say about their role? Where with marketing, it's definitely more you can empathize and we're all kind of doing the same thing, trying the same tests. And there's a lot to just chat about. So it's been fun. A lot of we're all in this together. Awesome. So yeah, so excitingly, as mentioned, you also host your own podcast. You host Demand Gen Chat over at Chili Piper. So I thought I'd invite you over here so we could get nerdy about strategy behind that production, what matters, what's really driving demand gen kind of through a podcast strategy. So first question, just to kick us off, why would someone do a podcast? Pros and cons, what do we think? Yeah, that's a great question. So you brought up marketing to marketers. I think one thing that's really fun about marketing to marketers or just marketing to someone in your persona is that you can really think about like, what do I do in my day-to-day life outside of work? And how can I reach people like me? So I listen to podcasts when I walk my dog, when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm cooking. So it's just kind of one of those mediums where you can really kind of follow people through their everyday life. And I just figured if I'm doing one, that if I'm listening to them in my spare time, then I'm sure other marketers too. And I feel the same about newsletters actually, which is why I'm so passionate about writing our newsletter here internally. But a podcast is really just one way to kind of get literally in the ear of your customer as much as you can. And that's a huge perk for me. I agree. I think what clicked for me is what you said. It's something that people can take with them. So you don't have to be tied to your computer in order to listen to a podcast. And then the thing that clicks for me personally about listening to podcasts is that you can listen to them faster. So it's, you know, like 1.5x, 2x gets a little chipmunky, but 
like being able to just kind of ingest some more information without it taking up as much time, which is something that we all feel like we need more of. Any cons, anything that would say a podcast isn't for you? Yeah, I think one thing I'll just say is it takes a lot longer to produce a podcast episode than I thought. <laughs> and maybe that was naive of me. <laughs> we were speaking just before this, but we both kind of inherited our podcasts from people that had already started them up. And I really thought, well, it's already an established podcast. People know the name. It'll be super easy to get people on. And it is, it's easy to get people to say yes. It's not as easy to get a time that works for everybody and make sure everybody's microphone is good quality. Ours is also video. So make sure the video looks great. It's a lot behind the scenes that I hadn't really thought of. And I do a lot of the kind of content production part of our podcast, but we also have a producer, Nolan, who's our video lead in-house is awesome. And he does a lot behind the scenes, but without his role, I don't know that it would all come together as it is right now. It's really nice to have someone who has the expertise in the thing that you aren't good at right? Being able to hand it over to someone who's like, no, no, I live and breathe video. I live and breathe audio so that you can focus on, like you said, the content side of things. So what does that focus on content mean to you? Yeah. So for me personally, and again, this is very specific to marketing to marketers, but I'm really using the podcast as a chance to reach out to people that I look up to and want to learn from. So not necessarily just, hey, I want to talk about ABM, who's good at ABM, but literally looking through my LinkedIn feed of who do I follow who's interesting and I want to chat with them. and. Also, oh, by the way, we haven't had an ABM person on yet. Maybe I should think about inviting this person. So I look at it as a mix of relevant and interesting content. So we're not always talking about like conversion rate and optimization, but mixing up the topics. And also I use it as a chance to bring on diverse guests. So I made a point, especially for this season of our podcast, to it's almost exclusively women and people of color, not really on purpose, but that just happens to be what my LinkedIn feed looks like. And I'm pretty proud of that, especially... I don't know about you, but a lot of podcasts are kind of two white guys talking about CRO or about growth. So trying to avoid that. Oh yeah. I applaud you for that. I applaud you even for knowing and understanding that your LinkedIn feed is that diverse. I think that's something I've tried to be aware of lately and it's harder to do than I expected. It's, you know, you can follow people. It's really easy to do that, but then really understanding and finding them and not getting yourself back into the echo chamber just by who you default interact with. So congrats on that. That's a really, really cool stat. Thanks. Yeah, I'm working on it. I think it's one of those things you do have to be, like you said, intentional about, or you do end up inviting the same five guys that everyone has on your podcast. So, Oh, totally. And I definitely do notice that it's frequently two white dudes hanging out on a microphone together. Um, so I'm proud. This year, we didn't get super diverse, but we are 50-50 men and women. So that's great. That's a good achievement. One tick box. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we'll be focusing on improving all of those metrics as we go, as we learn. So yeah. So it sounds like you're, when it comes to inviting guests, you're strategic in trying to invite people who not only care about what Chili Piper does, but also what someone who uses Chili Piper would also care about. So those adjacent topics, is there anything else that guides your strategy when it comes to choosing a theme or or inviting guests? Yeah, I would say, although we do invite some Chili Piper customers, I make a point of not bringing up the product at all because I've I know how that bait and switch can feel when you're listening to something that you thought was educational and all of a sudden it's a product demo. So obviously if the customer brings it up, I'll ask them maybe a question or two about that. But I purposely don't ask like, hey, you're here because you're a customer. Tell us about your use case. And I think that has helped us grow the podcast versus kind of tricking people into listening to a product pitch every week. I don't think we would get many repeat listeners doing that. And then on the content side, I also try... I mean, obviously, an outline is super helpful. You provided me with one before this, which is great. But I'm not a big fan of listening to scripted podcasts. So 
it's definitely an outline of here's what we'll talk about. But if I saw something interesting, say that they posted on LinkedIn the day before we recorded, I'll definitely try to bring that up into the conversation too. Yeah, that's actually... I think you mentioned this too. It's how I've recruited a couple of speakers on here to say, I just saw you post this thing. I think we should dig into it for 20 minutes because it's so important. So like, that's what we've done. There's a guy named Blake Strozik. He's not been on here. And I reached out to another woman, Meredith. She'll be on later. I think after your episode, if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, just because it's like, wow, it resonated with me. So let's dig into this. So I think people really understand how to take a podcast episode and repurpose it. And I just didn't know, it occurred to me the other day that we could be looking at our blog posts that are really popular content and podcastifying that. So I didn't know as well, just when it comes to choosing topics, where are you looking to for inspiration beyond the particular guest? Yeah, that's a really good... We do repurpose, like you said, the other way. So we cut up our podcast into social clips, but we haven't really touched the blog post to podcast thing yet. What we've been trying for the past month or so is our video team is actually making short YouTube videos based on some of our long blog posts. So we're kind of trying that as an experiment before we go the podcast route. But obviously video production is a whole other beast and lots of production goes into it behind the scenes that I don't touch. But we're experimenting with taking our long form blog posts and turning those into, I think they're around five minute videos on our YouTube for now. Yeah. So similar idea just to where it's something that you can see is resonating and you want to try to get it out to a different audience or in a way that an audience might consume it differently. Exactly. Yeah. The videos are obviously... You have, you can play more with visuals. So even though we do record video of our podcast, most people just listen to it as a podcast. So if I was pointing at things and had graphics behind me, it would be kind of wasted <laughs> on the podcast where with YouTube, people are expecting to kind of let it take over their screen and just watch. I like that visual even just of what a video can do, take over your screen. We also haven't done anything where it goes from blog post to podcast or back. We're starting to think about doing audio recordings of our webinars and putting those up as podcasts. Just so that, again, it's another place that people could listen and think about it, kind of have it in their ears while they're moving around instead of needing to be sitting in front of their computer. So we'll see how everything... We need to check back in in like six months to see how all these experiments are going. Yeah, I've seen a couple of people do that. Um... Exit 5, Dave Gerhardt's... I think that's what his podcast is called. That's what his community is. But I was on a webinar with him and he reposted it onto his podcast. And I just thought it was so smart because it was literally probably five minutes of work and he has another 45-minute episode just kind of ready to go. Yeah, that's what's in the back of our brains too. It's like, we have these great guests on our webinars for various reasons, talking about things we want to talk about. Hey, check it out. Podcast. I love it. So we've hit on a little bit too, just within this repurposing discussion about how are we promoting our podcasts, slightly different discussion and not just of like, how are you repurposing it and chunking it back out, but then how are you really amplifying it? Yeah, we're doing a couple of things. So we do, like I said, we have social clips. One thing that I've been trying to get better at is sharing those social clips with the guests ahead of time to say, hey, your episode's coming out next week. Here's kind of a package for you to promote it. We're usually a little late and I get to them like the day before, which isn't great, especially for some people that have a really packed schedule of things that they want to promote on LinkedIn. It's not always the best. So trying to get ahead on that front to kind of just build some momentum with the guest audience because usually if we're asking them to be on, they do have a bit of an audience themselves. And we also do a really good job here at Chili Piper of using our employees to help promote this type of thing. So we actually have a social takeover every... I think it's every Thursday. So there's one today where we have a different either post or announcement or article that we get the whole company to rally around and post on their own LinkedIn. And that just really helps obviously amplify. So our podcast comes out every two weeks and we try to get one of those into that rotation of that takeover, which has been really helpful. 
That is. And I'm curious, how are you presenting that to the company at large? Because I'm I'm always hesitant to give them copy-paste words because I'm afraid that what you'll see is 17 of the exact same post, which is kind of also not what you want. So how are you actually structuring that as you reach out to your internal coworkers? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I hate seeing those on my feed when it's like, I already saw this post today. Get out of here. <laughs> Marioli, who runs our social media, is amazing. And she basically puts together... It's kind of more of an outline of copy, not copy and paste this post. So everyone kind of has to fill in their own context and their own personality into it with their post. So it's not definitely not a copy paste. And she also actually blocks 15 minutes in every single person's calendar on Thursdays to do this, which I think is the piece that I've been missing in past roles where if you don't have the time to do it, you just won't. But now I see that notification on my calendar and you pop into her doc and see what she has planned for today. Oh, smart. So it's a 15 minute reminder that links to a Google doc where she... So she's only needing to update one spot as well. Exactly. Yeah. Every single week. I like it. I was thinking too, we'll be producing a a media kit for our guests. So expect one of those for me as well. But it was interesting because I was actually considering putting time on your calendar, like on your release date, just a little reminder, like at the top of your day, like, hey, your pros and content episodes live. And here's a link then to your media kit. Because I think even like you said, you know, getting it to them the day before, I honestly think that's probably okay because everybody gets emails at such a pace anymore that having it show up literally right before so that a busy person says, oh, I have five minutes. I'll just do it. Just do it now kind of thing. Yeah. No, that's that's a good Or schedule it, like you said. I like the idea of putting it on a calendar. I think that's one way that, I mean, I wouldn't miss it because I live by my calendar, but I know not everyone is like that. Same. Oh my gosh, no. Even in my personal life, I frequently, I get teased a bit by my friends. It's like, if it's not on my calendar, I'm not going to be there, guys. Sorry. (laughs) What about, I like how you mentioned part of the promotion is getting to your guests' audiences as well. That's something I think that we're really looking to as we promote ours too. It's like, and I think that's part of just the social promotion, social strategy is you need those ripples to get bigger and bigger. So like, how do you get that? Taking this metaphor way too far, how do you get that rock to skip across the pond to bigger and farther circles? Um, What about getting on other podcasts? I think it's something where if someone's already listening to another podcast, they're more likely to listen to yours. Is there a strategy that you employ to get on other B2B or other relevant podcasts? Yeah, I would say strategy is probably... I don't think I would go that far. (laughs) I would like to have strategy. We don't have one yet. I definitely agree with you that people that listen to podcasts are probably looking for more podcasts. I feel the same about newsletters. If you're a newsletter person like me, you're always kind of looking for more. Some people just, it's not their thing and that's totally fine. So I definitely do, when people ask us to come on their podcast, I always say yes, but I'm not really having a strategy of, I need to ask this person if I can be on their podcast. We're not there just yet. Maybe if I had a little bit more time, that would be a higher priority. But for now, I'm just kind of saying yes as the opportunities come. And a lot of people that we've had on our podcast, their companies do some kind of whether it's podcast, webinar, something in that space. So not that we're agreeing to a swap necessarily, but it just kind of comes up organically that like, hey, people liked your episode. Maybe I can come on yours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be... I think. I mean, I mean, it makes sense. It's a little bit of exchange, but it typically is if you're inviting them on, it's because you have a similar audience, you're trying to reach similar people and therefore their audience is going to care about you as much as they might care about them. I also, I saw a really good tip from Amanda Natividad, who is a VP of marketing, I think over at Spark Toro. And she had a really great 
just Twitter thread about how to pitch. So I've taken some of those too and even just reworked it. We are also not in a spot where we're going to start asking or pitching, but it was really helpful for me to reframe what it is about our podcast and what we're talking about that would be interesting to other podcasts. So that was a tip I took away. Yeah, I think you also have to think when you're reaching out to someone to join your podcast, you have to kind of think of what's in it for them. So often if, again, the like insular world of marketing to marketers, a lot of people that I invite on are also marketing to marketers. So they want to get in front of our audience just as much as we want to have them on. So thinking of it as kind of a win-win can help. Yeah. And I will say too, that was a really successful tactic for me reaching out to guests is I did the work behind the scenes to say, this is the reason I'm inviting you specifically is because you talked about ABC or I saw in your career path that you did this. And I want to dig into that specific thing. So works out really well. So let's move on. We talked a bit about now we've talked about how to kind of start one and what to do to get people on and to promote it. How do we know that it's working? So what are the metrics that you look to just, I would say top level as far as, is it subscribers? Is it growth? And then are you tying it to any further funnel metrics? Yeah, I would say the first thing, and this is really tough for me and probably you as well as a demand gen person, but don't expect people to click on a link that says, yes, I listened to your podcast and now I want to be a customer. It's just not, it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. So I wouldn't expect to have like direct opportunities associated with it or direct revenue. But what we've seen is we're able to kind of use some other sneaky ways. So one thing that we do is with the social clips, say there's a social clip that is super relevant to our marketing ops audience that we're going after. I use that in our paid social ads. And that way I can, even if they don't necessarily click through and listen to the whole episode, I'm able to take a chunk of that episode and maybe bring them in as an opportunity some other way. So that's been one way that I've been able to show that some kind of impact, it's a little fuzzy still, but (laughs) some kind of impact on revenue from the podcast. No, I like what you're doing there is basically taking the conversion and backing it up from needing to be that request a demo as the high value action, right? You're taking it back just to say like, no, I need a way to check that they're even engaged at all. And so the fact that you've taken that clip and put it in front of the exact right audience and now they're here and they followed whatever your CTA of that is, Like you can point to that. That's valuable. Definitely. And I mean, podcasts are kind of notorious for being a black hole of metrics. So it's really tough. We can show a chart of subscriber growth or how many downloads we've had, but that's kind of it. You can't really show too much else. Like I can't get a list of who subscribes and email them or send them updates from us. So it really is just showing growth week over week. So that's kind of the main metric that I report on internally. And then as a growth and demand marketer, is that still a valuable metric? Yeah, I think we're always trying to grow just the marketing audience in general. So for me, that's valuable. And then this is also kind of fuzzy, but we also use Gong on our sales calls. So I actually have some alerts set up. So if someone mentions Demand Gen Chat, the podcast's name or podcast, newsletter, a couple other terms in that arena, then I get a notification and often it'll be someone saying, Hey, I saw you on this podcast or I listened to Demand Gen Chat and now that's why I'm on this demo call. So those aren't always going to be tagged in your CRM correctly, but Gong is a good way to get at those. That's smart. And I think that's another way. I know Refine Labs is big on saying, adding that question at the end of your forums, like, how did you hear about us? Just to hope that someone, you know, one out of every 300 people might put a podcast, the word podcast in there for you to find. Yeah. Maybe better than that. We're pretty, we're pretty protective about our demo form. We don't really want to add friction there. So that's why we leave it to the sales call. But know that's another kind of hot topic in the space right now. It is a hot topic. Well, but I I like your pushback there. I think that's important to hear. Like I hadn't thought about that. 
just no, no demo is as few things as possible. Yeah, if we can get them to that page, we want to make it as easy as possible. And obviously that kind of ties back to our product too, of if someone's ready to raise their hand and talk to you, we make it just as seamless and quick as possible to get them on that call with the right rep. Yeah. Here's a really tactical podcast question. Do you host it on your website or is it only through the podcast services? We do both. So we push it out to all the all the places where we listen to podcasts. And then we also have a section on our blog where we have a post for each one where we embed. We have a sounder link so you can click there and listen. We also have the YouTube video. And then we also have the transcription below. So we use a tool called Descript that pulls the transcription and we clean it up and then upload it. I would like to get into a place where we're making like a nice polished blog post with takeaways from each one. That would be my goal. But right now it's really just title. And then we kind of have all the content below for you to read if you want to. Sure. Well, and the transcript would help the SEO as well. Yeah, it should. I just, I think we could do a better job of kind of maybe playing with the terms a little bit and making it front loaded somehow, but we'll get to that. (laughs) We will. And I think it's good to be thinking ahead like that to say, I've identified a place where I can improve when I have the bandwidth resources, whatever time. So Awesome. The only reason I asked is I was stalking other podcast websites yesterday and there was one that didn't embed it on their website at all. We embed ours as well on the Notch website. Did they just push you to go download it somewhere or what did they push only to the subscription service? So like they push, they have links then to Spotify, Apple, Google, one other. So it's almost like forcing you to choose one of those as to where to go, which is interesting because you do get some metrics there. You get your like how many people have listened. And I think you can see kind of average minutes per episode. But otherwise, what we do, like the reason we host it on our website is because with Notch, you can see the customer journeys. So eventually, as we post more podcasts, you'll see them come up as to whether or not they're pushing to those high value actions. But that's like, that's not using Notch and not everybody has it. So I was just curious too, like, if you are hosting it on your own website, you could use some of those top level metrics to say, well, people are finding it. Like people at least are are here, whether or not they then listen to the whole thing versus half of it. But I guess it depends what your goals are. If you're trying to just grow subscribers, then I guess linking right to it works. But if you also want them to maybe look at the rest of your blog or subscribe to something else, yeah, I would always focus on getting them to the site. So that's interesting. That's where I'm at too. Like, I think because we're in B2B, it's like, well, what we ultimately would like is for more people to see what else we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a good point that if you are truly trying to drive subscriptions, you would want to be basically kind of forcing that journey over to where they would say, hey, go smash the subscribe button. Yeah, there's also, we haven't done any of this at all, but I've seen a lot of people that push for reviews of the podcast. So they'll say... Like, hey, leave us a review and we'll send you a gift card or we'll leave you. We haven't even touched that whole space yet, but that's a whole other play that you could do of just trying to rank higher by getting more reviews and then people find you organically on the podcast apps. Oh, smart. This also is reminding me, one of the things that we think through for each episode that I have control over because I record a separate intro and outro for each episode is I have full control over whatever that CTA is at the very end. So I could make that if we've got be like an on-demand event that I think really applies to whatever we're talking about. And it's like, hey, listen to more of this at this page. Or sometimes the call to action is just don't forget to subscribe because that is one of our goals. Like we have a few goals here, like grow the subscriptions, grow the number of listeners, but then also try again, try to like get it into more journeys. So that's interesting too. Awesome. I think we've hit on a lot of the things that I'd sent over. 
I think as we just wrap up, how is it important that we fit podcasts into multi-touch or even multi-kind of attribution journeys? Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying about meeting people where they are. So for me, like I said, I'll listen to a podcast after work and maybe that's not trackable necessarily in a journey that someone's looking at in their attribution or in their CRM. But I think it's really important to think of those things of how you can reach people outside of their inbox, which is a common place that people that marketers turn to to get people's attention. So I like to think of it as it's definitely a long game. You're not, like I said, you're not going to get someone clicking your podcast link and then booking a demo and becoming a customer. I mean, probably not. Maybe if you have a free offer, a trial, that could be interesting. But for B2B, yeah, it's tough. Something that's a bit more, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say a bit more direct to consumer. Yes. You could, I would bet start or like how you hear on the big, big podcasts, it'll be like, hey, go to notch.com slash Dax Shepard or like notch.com slash demand gen chat so that then I could hand you over some metrics to say you drove blah, blah from your sponsorship. But for yeah, B2B, I would love to hear if anyone in B2B is having success with that because we've sponsored a few podcasts, but because we don't have a free offer, just we might eventually, but we don't today. It's always just like learn more or book a demo, which no one's going to pull out their phone while they're listening to a podcast and type in that URL unless they're getting something out of it. So... Definitely more of a brand building, especially when you're on other people's podcasts or sponsoring ads on other ones. But another thing to think about, and I've been trying to be a little bit more strategic about this for next season, is a lot of the times your customers want opportunities to just speak, especially if they're marketers. So thinking of it as not necessarily that they're going to stay a happy customer just because of this one thing, but it's one way to say like, hey, we really respect your opinion. We know you're a happy customer. We'd love to have you on the podcast to talk a little bit about whatever their area of expertise is. So trying to think of it not as a way to just acquire new users, but also kind of keep people happy, keep them in your community. So it's something that I'm trying to think a little bit more about how we can approach that for next season. Yeah, just how to keep them engaged, really. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. And I think too, as I think more about the full funnel, and I feel like everybody too around us is talking about, will there or won't there be a recession? It's something that it does feel more sustainable. So as we're thinking through budgets and as we're thinking through what would or would not be on the chopping block, where do you feel podcasts are strong and where do you think they're weak in that conversation? Yeah, I think it's tricky because like I said, you're never going to get direct attribution to a customer from, from a podcast. And when budgets are getting slashed or tight, brand marketing is usually one of the first things to go because it's not attributable directly to revenue. But I think I, I would definitely say that podcasts are more cost-effective than something like even a webinar or trying to have an in-person event can obviously be super expensive. But with a podcast, you can just get that one-on-one -on -one interaction with people in the space. You can be really selective of who you invite on and who you talk to. And if it's a kind of podcast where you're just hosting and being kind of a thought leader, I would just make the most of that content. Slice it up for social, put paid behind it. Use, like to your point, use your blog content. So there's a lot of ways you can slice it up and kind of recycle and make the most of that content, which isn't always doable with other forms of content. So I think it, it can be a good place to keep things kind of running at a low cost when things are tight. I like that. And I think it's not biased at all as a podcast host that you have only good, only good things to say about podcasts. I mean, I will say again that you can't track revenue, which I know for me as on the demand gen side, it's often like, oh, I should be spending time on things that are going to bring me revenue today, not a year from now. And that's that's the way a lot of people look at it when things are tough. But if you're always doing that, you're not going to have anyone to sell to in a year because everybody's seen your book of demo ads. They're sick of hearing from you. 
I think that's exactly it. This is such a longer play and something that it's true too. like the podcast episodes live on and are there for constant discovery. So finding something that is evergreen or something that someone will always be kind of in this stage of like, well, this particular episode is, I think, a good example to where there's kind of always going to be someone who's considering to starting a podcast. So if we get the the keywords right for this one, they'll find it eventually and they'll hear us talking about it. And then like, there's some brand affinity that gets linked to this and, the, and it's like keeping it going. So I like that. I think that was a great way to wrap, but it means we have come to the lightning round, the quick questions here at the end. So what keeps you up at night as a growth or demand marketer? I think this is probably a weird way to answer the question, but for me, it's just too many ideas and not enough time or resources to execute. So I'm often just sitting in bed with like a running list in my head of things I want to try. And I often have to take out my phone and write them down. So I would just say that that is usually running through my head just because especially now with B2B, people are doing podcasts and video and LinkedIn is getting a little bit more fun than it used to be. There's just I don't want to be the last person to try and jump on some new trend. So trying to keep on top of things is probably the one thing keeping me up at night. You speak directly to my growth marketer heart. I think that would pretty much exactly be my answer too. There's a lot that you can be doing, but you're one person. (laughs) Even if you have multiple people, then you have more ideas and it's kind of the same problem. Oh my gosh, so true. And you have to figure out either how to prioritize it or how to tell someone no, which I'm so bad at. Me too. I need to work on that. (laughs) Together we can. Um, Okay. Uh, What's a marketing campaign that you will point to as a great example of something you'd love to do? Yeah. One thing I'm, so I'm a customer of Metadata and they're doing a really great job. They kicked off their community really recently. So they have a Slack community that's going really well. And what they're doing is hosting Zoom roundtables about very specific topics. And I think it's such a smart idea because it's so low lift for their team to pull off. They basically just post in Slack and say, hey, we want to do a roundtable on what's working with LinkedIn ads. This Does anyone want to join? And people just kind of put their hand up or volunteer to host it. And then they send out the invite and let the conversation kind of roll. So I've really been enjoying these kind of smaller scale, kind of like Zoom discussion brainstorm type things. I think that that's kind of the future of like where webinars are headed because I'm really bored of sitting on a webinar and not saying anything for an hour. So that's really fun to me. I'm trying to think of ways that we can do something similar. Yeah, that's interesting. My background has been in webinars And now I've kind of been the sidekick for our community for the last couple of community managers, just because I'm in the role that we're talking to. And we've had some really good success. Same, exactly what you just said, to where people are really tired of being talked at. They want to be part of the conversation or even hear several voices going back and forth on these topics and be included. Something that's really engaging so that people... Yeah, I think we're just all craving those better digital experiences. So that's, yeah, I like that. Great answers already. I love them. And slightly more fun one. Where's the best place you've traveled? Yeah, this is fun. I think I'll say New Zealand. So I went in early 2020, like right before things went downhill. But it really, it was beautiful. And it reminded me a lot of Hawaii, except with no tourists. It was like an empty version of Hawaii. So highly recommend making the trek out there. How cool. I would have expected there to be just as many people in New Zealand. No, it was empty, but in the best way. Like no lineups for anything. It was great. That sounds great. And plus they figured out COVID real early. So I don't know what the current rules are, but it's a good tip. 
And then final question, as far as lightning round is concerned, what is your pandemic cliche? Yeah, I was laughing about this one because I've done almost all of them. So we bought a house, got engaged, got a second dog, and then got really into making homemade pizza and gardening. So pretty much all the things except sourdough. I never touched the sourdough craze, but... I think making pizza dough is just a proxy yeah, for sourdough. Definitely. I think it's less hands-on, yeah. but... Yeah. You know, it's interesting. One of uh, not just clients is King Arthur Baking, and they saw this huge rise. Like they found in the data that there's a pizza dough recipe on King Arthur Baking that like suddenly spiked in the early pandemic days. And so they were like, okay, like we're basically getting like this rebound from or like an echo maybe from sourdough. So let's capitalize on this. It was really funny. So this has been great. I want to say thank you again to you, Tara, for joining me. What would you want people to take away from listening to this episode? Yeah, I think the one thing I would take away is, like I said, there's a lot more work behind the scenes for producing a podcast than it looks on the surface. But if you can strike the right balance of figuring out who you want to bring on, what content you want to focus on, then you can repurpose that and repackage it tons of different ways and really just make the most of that hour or so that you're spending with that guest. I like that a lot. Thank you so much. Where can people find you if they'd like to connect with you? Sure. Um, I'm trying to be more active on LinkedIn these days. So that's probably the best place. And I would love it if you would check out our podcast, Imagine Chat, always looking for more just feedback and anything I can do to make that a better experience for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So those drop on Thursdays every two weeks. So we can find new content with Demangion Chat there. Well, thanks again to our listeners. Thank you so much for spending time with us. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the next episodes. This season, digital growth and demand gen marketers are sharing how they use audience journey strategy and metrics to accelerate business growth. Thanks, Tara. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Pros and Content. Don't forget to subscribe if you found this episode informative. This season, we're focused on how marketers prove their contribution to business growth at all stages of the funnel. Find more episodes wherever you're listening and learn more about uncovering your organization's true audience journey at notch.com. That's K-N-O-T-C-H dot com.